0: Good evening to you, my friend, uh, t- at teacher underscore FPL, Lucian on the other side of the screen here. Um, I'm Gabe at FPL Lens. You are joining us for the Net That Hall Game Week 23 matchups review show. Um, coming to you a little timestamp here. It's uh, it's about 9 a.m. here, Mountain Standard Time in, in Phoenix. And uh, Lucian, how are you? What time is it? And uh where
1: are you? Well, uh it is, I am permanently yellow flagged uh due to illness. Um such as uh 2024. Um I'm not sure if you're a superstitious person, but uh this year is the so-called Chinese Zodiac Year of the Dragon, and being a person born in the year of the dragon myself. Uh, It usually means that, you know, according to Chinese horoscopes, uh, dragons are expected to have tough years in the Year of the Dragon. So Mm. I'm totally ready for it, (laughs) starting with, you know, massive rank drops and things like that. Permanently shut out of the 2 million rank. And I've just come to accept it, you know, just gotta make normal decisions and yeah, live life
0: um so a, a couple of things and this is this is an interesting thing we, we might go a little past an hour today just because of this intro because i, I i'm glad you're uh taking a moment to pay ho- homage to uh to the year of the dragon because i too was a, am, am a year of the dragon um so we so we share that my, my friend yeah <laughs> i didn't realize that that we shared that and um yeah but you're you know Yellow flag, permanently permanently yellow flagged so far in 2024, as you said. And here you are, and here you've been. And um and the, the dragon is inevitable. So the, the dragon will persist. Um I'm gonna say hi to a couple people here in the chat. We got blue Danube uh Joe joining us, first one in. Good afternoon to him. Nima's in the chat. Good afternoon to him. Um he's probably still at work. Uh we got Jared. Hey, what's up, Jared? Combe, resident Fulham um, advisor, Combe, and Robin Popplewell is joining us here. So thanks for being here this morning. Uh, We we are going to get right into it. Um, Let's just take a quick look at the game week before we we go into the matches themselves. So um, this was how uh, game week uh, 23 kind of panned out. Um, Everton 2, Spurs 2, Brighton 4, Palace 1, Burnley 2, Fulham 2, Newcastle 4, Luton 4, Sheffield United zero, Aston Villa five, Bournemouth one, Forest one, Chelsea two, Wolves four, Manchester United three, West Ham zero, Arsenal three, Liverpool one, and Brentford one, Manchester City three. We have we have kind of like the basically the players who hauled up here on on the board from top Phil Foden with twenty points to um, to the bottom end of this of this top tier of players who hauled, which is Callum Hudson Odoi with with ten points. Um, interesting that the players like Flecken are in here with, uh, with, with uh, <laughs> 10 points as well. So, um, Martinelli may making it making it in there with 10 points as well. Um, but at the top of the list, Foden 20 Watkins with a hat-trick of assists, I believe. Was it a hat-trick of assists that he got in addition and to the goal, to goal one, yeah. and the goal as well? 18 points. Cunha, my boy. I'm I, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about Cunha. 17 Garnacho with a surprising 16 and then um Richarlison, Alex Moreno um who I really like coming into this game week like to see him haul 14. Um rather than get right in, in into the nitty-gritty here with players like Longstaff which uh, nobody owns, let's get right into uh right into the games, shall we? Um I'm just going to bring up just so so we get the order right, correct. I, I, we're not going to display any any slides here which is going to be you and me talking, my friend, so um first match um everton spurs the 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 two two um surprising to some maybe not not to others um why don't you get us into uh get us into this one and i'll I'll bring up the stats here and go into the stats after- after you kind of introduce the match
1: yeah, um so this this whole thing about everton right now is that. There has been a mini-transition that Everton has been making, so we'll touch on that a little bit. And basically, long story short, uh, Jack Harrison, usually on the right flank, has been playing somewhat centrally, sometimes enforced due to the absence of Idrissa Gay, I believe. And, you know, nowadays, it's difficult to tell. I mean... (laughs) Really, the question is what the result is, and Everton basically created virtually nothing from open play. (laughs) You can scrape out their highlights and everything comes from set pieces, but I did look up the full match and I zoomed, sorry, I fast forwarded to Everton's best chance in open play like on the stroke of half time where dcl i believe had a 0.10 xg shot and yeah exactly as you said in the slides uh, cross came via McNeil on the left side but i think like we said that whenever everton put in crosses from the flanks dcl thrives through headers Kind of like um, somebody, John McKenzie, I think, did a piece on uh, Richarlison taking most of his shots with either his first touch or his second. And I think DCL thrives in the same way. But if McNeil aims at DCL's feet, you're not going to get good quality shots. It's all going to be on the money. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Spurs, it's like game week two all over again. Uh, I wrote a recent thread about it, and basically, I think the only difference between Spurs now and Spurs at the opening stages of the season is that what happens is you have a winger and Madison would do the running. So And Madison would basically be an assist machine. <laughs> so now, however, it's the roles have reversed. Um, you have Werner right now standing in for Son on the left side, but Udogi is the one making the half space runs so he's been you know alternating between shooting and crossing from that left half space but now madison is being one of the targets in the box centrally and yeah i just cannot wait for Madison to have his goal because he had a few decent shots centrally uh from open play on the edge of the box and that's basically Spurs' plan a right now because they've created virtually nothing from the right and all the finishers just line up on the right side, so I feel a bit sad for Pedro Poro. owners. Um, yeah. So the
0: timing is good. So how how do you explain that uh, on the on the right hand side like that? It's because I mean, on, on the on the left, that's, that's that's that's. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just the influence of James Madison. He just links play so well from the left hand side. I mean, you just look at his assist for Richarlison, right? The second goal, I believe. He just. Yeah, overloads the left side and he sees that nobody's making the incisive run. He just puts the cross in himself from the left side of the penalty area on the edge of the box. And there it is, right on Richarlison's head. So he really takes charge of situations now. And he puts himself, you know, as the second best position to receive cutbacks and score so i do believe strongly it's a matter of time before he gets a haul we all buy him and you know we just figure out a way to bench him for the blank and move on
0: yeah that's i I think it's uh it's a bit of a of a tough one it's interesting what you say about um everton and open play because everton did have um 2.62 xg in this one compared to less than one for for spurs um, but but like you said, I think that that's a little bit misleading because if you if you are watching the game, um, Spurs Spurs couldn't deal with with um, Everton and Tarkovsky in particular crowding Vicario. Wow. They, they didn't know how to deal with that. And and I, that, that that was surprising to me. Um, the the other thing is <clears throat> I, I've often been critical of Spurs's right side because it's either Brennan Johnson or Kulusevsky. Um, and, uh, and, 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 I think they, they slow Brendan Johnson is, isn't there yet. I, I don't know. I don't know what his potential is. And Kulusevsky, like we've talked about before, cons always slows the play down. That's, that's all he can do. Right. Um, so, so he, he, there's no time even, even for like, like one, one Madison might be conditioned to go to the, to the left because of Harvey Barnes. Um, but, but, but if that's where the. If there's no time for Poros to field and Kulusevsky's gonna probably lose the ball or make you go backwards again, then then he's naturally gonna gonna look to that left. It's interesting what you say about Madison as a central target in the box. Um, I did see him get in there, but I don't know that he was the the, the target. I'll have to look into it a little bit more, or or if he was just a too slow to be kind of clinical in that. Um but but it, definitely an inter- interesting one going forward. Ma- I would have definitely started with Madison on on, on my wild card. Uh, had him on my wild card if if it weren't for the blank. Now, given the way things have panned out, um, who who would you predict is going to be? You predict Madison is going to be a better asset than Richarlison. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Of course. I mean, Richarlison, no doubt, is going to be good. I just feel that, like, everyone's going to make a firm decision now. What do you expect out of your 7 million midfielder, right? Are you expecting, you know, something of the nature of a Raheem Sterling where he hauls for a game and he gets nothing for, like, 3 to 4? You know, are are you happy with uh, 15-2-2-2, you know? Or do you want a 7 million midfielder who has the consistency of an 8 million midfielder like Diogo Jota, you know, someone who's like undervalued permanently. I think once you've set those expectations, then you can really tell whether you want a Madison who gets like an assist and two bonus points, you know, for as an example, uh, versus someone more explosive like Richarlison who will get two goals out of nowhere and then be really frustrating thereafter.
0: We'll see. We'll see how this plays out. I I do agree with you. Madison is is the standout pick to get at at Spurs or or will become that soon because he has just more routes to points um, and and then bonus as well. But I don't I don't think I I think you get Richarlison while he's in form and and I don't know that it'll be like a explosion and then two 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 two. Right now, while he's in form, I think he'll be like six six two twelve six four two. 15 something like that so I, I i think he's quite uh he's quite consistent right now while, while he's in form and, and an obvious buy if it weren't for the blank let's move on to the to the next um to the next match up here and it is brighton against palace um i'll bring it up here so this yeah interesting bounce back by by brighton right with <laughs> 4-1 with <laughs> four goals on 1.43 xg for brighton Palace uh they get they get their goal matata scores in the 71st with 0.3 xg total in the game. Um kind of Brighton domination. Um Palace blocking shots, throwing themselves according to the stats. But what 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 did you see in this game? Oh well, actually before you go into it, I let me just shout out uh BW Splita. Thank you so much for becoming a member. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the support. Um really nice of you. Uh Oops that's Nima K7's in the house so so is Jack so thanks hey. for joining us talk to us about talk to us about this one uh,
1: uh, Lucien we've got a set context Palace rested Olise as well as uh, Eze so Palace were a shadow of the side that uh, beat Sheffield United 3-2 shadow of a side uh, i think they feel that Ayu and look behind mateta up front it's a real championship quality side so to speak uh, and i think what's notable though i do feel that is that with palace being that inferior probably you know conceding uh domination from the get-go uh, Brighton's counter press became way more prominent than it needed to be. And I think that's something we've not talked about for a very long time, how Brighton actually have a coordinated press. Um. However, still, the focus is on our star boy, Pascal Gross, right? Um. You mentioned in your slides that he would fill in the area left behind by Joel Pedro, but, you know, we can't predict that Joel Pedro miraculously recover from his knock was it I think I, I couldn't remember what it was but... it was a knee oh yeah he started but... <laughs> so um
0: yeah he's third on my bench because 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 it was it was a knee it looked like a sprain out at, at least two weeks um so he's yeah. third on my bench he comes in and he scores but but he but he was he was limited in his movement um and and I kind of like made a uh quote about this where like Pascal Gross did move into those spaces because Pedro couldn't get in all of them.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, that's the thing about Brighton, right? Um, One way or another, they will get you points. And I mean, I'm trying my best not to be surface level because the way Brighton secured their win was very atypical of their usual style. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the verticality did not contribute to their goals. I, I do believe that this is one of those results that papers over the cracks that they've been having in terms of finding the balance in their midfield um, from ball winning without Carlos Baleba all the way to upfront where they continue to rotate their attackers and I wrote this in a thread recently as well. A lot of this comes down to getting Bonanote. Bedded in into a starting 11 role as their default number 10. This is something for sure. I'm very, very sure now that the Zerbi is having, like, in terms of vision, where he wants to revolve his side around this extremely young Argentinian midfielder that is basically a uh, lookalike with uh, Phil Foden they really move in very similar ways, very quick accelerations, sideways, and yeah, with some ability to pop up in goal-scoring situations. It's just a matter of when he finds his finishing fit and, you know, yeah, probably end of this season. That's when he'll start to come to life. But So I have a uh, um, question
0: for you. Um, Because right now, one thing that's been working for João Pedro, in my opinion, is his his synergy with uh, Danny Welbeck. Right. So if, if Buonanote comes in at that number 10 position, what happens up front?
1: They've actually played around Buonanote. So uh, Buonanote would basically, you know, drop into that typical number 10. And Pedro goes left half space, well back goes right half space. They actually play around him. No, but you can't Buonanote fit them all,
0: right? When, when, the, what my, my point um, is, what, when Matoma comes back, yeah. if you have Matoma on the left, Buonanote in the middle, uh, whomever, maybe Fatih or, or whoever on, on the right, um, And then you can only have one up front, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. Honestly, I think that's the biggest puzzle. They've still not settled on A-9. number Because Hmm. it's not going to be Joe Pedro. Joe Pedro is way, way better on the left side as one of the two centre forwards. So yes, we will definitely see an identity crisis that Brighton will go through once all their wingers are back. But for now, Mm -hmm. everything's pretty central to me.
0: So, so the the way you see it is, uh, Joao Pedro on the left with Welbeck up front. Yeah. But Joao Pedro obviously ma- making that diagonal run inside um, to to mm-hmm. join Welbeck and filling the spaces that that Welbeck's creating for him. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't expect as a or or Elise to to start here. I'm I'm surprised actually. Um, Elise came on and got injured again, right?
1: I'm not monitoring Palace too heavily because, yeah, I mean, yeah. For me, they they're still trying to go through a few changes. I believe, um, yeah, they fielded a brand new right back. I can't remember his name. Um, but yeah, um, Palace are going through changes. So yeah, uh, uh, at least came
0: on for ten. At least came on for ten minutes, and and he got injured again. Of course, I mean, if he wasn't fit to start, it's crazy that they that they threw him out there. So um we can move on to the next one i think uh we're going on to burnley to fulham to uh um, hey. what a collapse by fulham I, I was disappointed comb um i don't i don't want to rub this in maybe you maybe you can kind of um give us some context there in the chat if, if you would um burnley 1.81 xg fulham 1.51 xg um looks like a like across the board statistically speaking at least a kind of an even game um but I, I'm curious to see um, what one what you think. I, I'd like I'd like some insight on Burnley specifically. Obviously, with with the, with the thought that um, that they they, they face mm-hmm. Liverpool in uh, in game week 24, and then Liverpool have the double. So people are you know Liverpool are on many people's minds. Liverpool assets are on many people's minds. Um, I I still personally think that the Burnley's right side is weak. I'm curious to see what what you think um my boy rodrigo muniz started he gets his goal that, yeah, that i thought he would yeah. get many weeks ago <laughs> um so that'll be interesting uh palina there with, with with the goal as well um
1: talk to us what do you see here well, Palinia's goal, if I'm not mistaken, was off a set piece. So I'm not too particular about that. Yeah. Uh, but yes, this this is a tale of two halves. And the first half was dominated by Muniz's movement, uh, creating space for Andreas, who played the number 10 role again. Uh, but obviously, I think Fulham away from home in particular, they struggle to come up with an identity in terms of how to win games. So in this particular case... Burnley being extremely compact and, um, you know, ball dominant played into Fulham's hands where they just put one long ball forward and Fulham have multiple targets running in the space. Having said that, um, we do have to pay respect to uh Vincent Company's transfer policy because they finally have a competence number nine suitable for the Premier League, and his name is DD Fofana. Um, he came on uh, as a substitute last game against Man City. And this, uh, coincidentally, was right before they sold a veteran, uh, Connor Roberts, so to Leeds. So, <clears throat> um, it's very clear that uh, company prefers Vitinho at right back. So, you know, uh, call it what you will, uh, because now Burnley too have a new right back. I don't know if anyone's noticed, but... Asignon is pretty good. <laughs> He's pretty assertive down in on counterattacks as well. Uh, it might be a fresh blood thing trying to impress but um, yeah, I, I'm very very uh, startled by how quickly company has decided to take faith in new signings. <clears throat> but still yes it's it's all about David Fofana. I mean I've watched this guy since he came on as a sub for Chelsea. Uh, I forgot which manager it was he was under. But yeah, Fofana is a, an out-and-out out number nine who will shoot. And he's basically a faster version of J. Rodriguez. Um, Yeah, I'm just looking forward to him actually getting goals because they've relied on individual dribbling abilities of Foster and Amduni and um, Odobe for way too long. So Fofana, as someone who receives passes, who wants to receive passes, is like... A breath of fresh air because Burnley creates so much space and they've got no one to finish off their chances. So for once, Burnley have more than a dribbling threat, and that's how they got their comeback against Fulham. Hmm.
0: Um. Quick question on laurence Assignon. Um. Is does he fix Burnley's weakness on the on that right hand side? Is he it, like I, I I saw like because I I didn't watch him I I didn't watch this game. But I saw I, I, um, some highlights. I'm looking at heat maps and stuff. And he, he got an assist, but he doesn't seem like he's necessarily an attacking right back. No, he's
1: not. He's not. He's either. a, he's um, a right assist back. He was he's... off the counter. He transitioned off a corner from the right side all the way down the left. And he received the ball on the left and he got his assist from the left side. It was literally his only touch in the entire left right. half of the pitch. Yeah. So. Yeah,
0: and and I'm looking, I'm I'm looking at that here. So he's he's like a a, a true right back, yes.
1: Yeah, he's not a converted so, one like Vitinho. <laughs> interesting. So
0: it's, that's that's I mean that was their weakness. That, that was that was a uh, you know that I've been trying to highlight. So that no, that might not that be a their weakness. Their
1: weakness is their left because Charlie Taylor's still injured. They right. refuse to play Lacroix on the left. So Vitinho actually moves over to the left. It's just a matter of time before. Yeah, Vitinho gets taken advantage of on the left side.
0: Okay, so so now the the weakness is is that left hand side. So if if you are targeting Liverpool's uh Liverpool's assets assets from Liverpool, um, I guess uh, yeah, I guess, right. Who so who plays on the right for Liverpool?
1: Uh, the usual <laughs> Salah, biscuit, you know uh cool. we'll talk about it save it for later save it for Lina, know, save we'll, for Lina. I'm
0: sorry sorry i'm i'm <laughs> i'm going on a tangent here uh, fair enough uh let's let's see if uh Combs says he only turns up for one half his substitution was pivotal and uh trafford was very good yeah trafford i think had like five saves or something like that we can we can move on to a uh, to the next exciting one here newcastle for luton for <laughs> newcastle like, <laughs> Really. <laughs> fairly hanging in there with, with Luton this, this game week. XG quite similar. Two point four for Newcastle and uh two point three six for uh for Luton. Ball position ball possession uh quite similar. Newcastle had nineteen shots in the game. Um this is a this is a bit of a wild one that I caught like intermittently. Uh what can you tell us about this one?
1: Well my biggest concern, especially from the perspective of a potential Anthony Gordon owner, is Uh, how he would handle his recovery from injury. Because, you know, when you come back from a hamstring injury, it's extremely easy to pull it again, right? And there were three particular scenarios that I felt he passed in terms of uh, physical fitness. The first where he received the ball off the counter on exactly the halfway line on the left-hand side, and he just sprinted past his marker with the ball. I think that's a very good gauge of running 30 to 40 yards with the ball and then he reaches the box on the left-hand side 1v1 against Osho and he doesn't actually try to go around him on the outside on the left and instead he actually cuts inside Osho and he yeah shoots at Kaminsky, where you know I believe it was Longstaff that got the rebound that was the second goal Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I do believe that yes Gordon should be back to full fitness now and my only issue is that we all know that Gordon is underwhelming as in number nine. But Callum Wilson came on, right? So that's good news. Um I am predicting a bigger shift tactically though, because of the return of Harvey Barnes. I absolutely love that yep. guy. Um I think we've talked about this a couple of times now. Luton have an issue between lines. They've not solved it. <laughs> They've not solved it. Um, so the question is who from Newcastle would take advantage, right? Because Newcastle don't have an out-and-out number 10. Instead, they pushed Longstaff forward. So I know your slides predicted that Miley would get something between the lines, and he did, but Longstaff stole the show in the first half before yeah. Miley switched over to the right side because Longstaff pushed out wide a little bit. And, you know, Miley got his assist from the right side anyway. You know, even though it's like a counter-press type of assist. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me though, uh, there are various candidates we have to take note of in terms of who will occupy the playmaker role. Because when Newcastle get frustrated, when Miley and Longstaff sort of peter out, right, because Luton took the lead, uh, Bruno Guimaraes attempted to step up. And my goodness, Bruno Guimaraes is really assertive. When he wants to be, <laughs> uh, I wish he took charge of games more. But that's just a personal opinion. Uh, he just he just operates in way too many spaces. So instead, Harvey Barnes could be the one drifting in from wide areas, picking up the ball, doing much better and much more effective than Almirón or Jacob Murphy. You know who stick to the flanks way too much. Yeah, Harvey Barnes is definitely one to look out for because that equalizing goal. From that area is something we all have missed so so much. Yeah, Newcastle. Yeah, but y-
0: just just as Barnes is getting healthy, then uh, Gordon goes down uh, with with that ankle injury. Um, I guess he's in a protective boot right now. And and I, my my sense is that they say currently being assessed. I don't know what the details are, but um, but if they have to wait for swelling to go down to perform tests, then it's bad, right? So um. So, I, so Gordon, you know, as as they get healthy, they they also they also get injured. I was looking forward to Harvey Barnes on the left hand side and Gordon on the right hand side. Uh, that would have been a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, and and Dred said here in the, in the chat, it's like we need to recalibrate our our thoughts on on Newcastle, and and I you know, Nima agrees. I, I agree with that as well. But I, I would say like just in the sense of um, we, we have to stop measuring them by their potential. And just understand that they are so ravaged with injuries and changes that they they will just be inconsistent. Um, and and I agree with you. I think a more assertive um, or dominant uh, Bruno Guimarães would make them more consistent. Um, you know, but lo- losing you know just key players and and uh, Joelson is 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 such a, a massive loss for this team. Um, that I, I thought I, I thought they would struggle, um, but I didn't. I didn't think that Luton could could you know snag that opportunity the, the way they did. And you know, <laughs> Joe Joe comes in. Is Luton a yes, good team was, now? Do we need, Yeah, thank you. Yes. Do we need thanks, do we Joe. need to recalibrate our thoughts on Luton uh, as well just, as Newcastle? So yeah, just their wingers.
1: Just their us. I think mm. uh, we've got to take Alfie Doty seriously now uh, because he is mm-hmm. a goal threat as well as an assist threat. But Doty is more stable. I think if you can predict who will start on the right, you'd get a lot, you know, you'd get nicer, more explosive returns. I think, uh, first and foremost, right, we have to acknowledge that both Adibayo and Morris are starting in the same 11 again. But they're not doing it with Morris as the 9 and Adibayo as a supporting number 10. It's flipped. Morris is the roaming number 9 who's like at the far post setting up Adibayo for finishes. Finally, finally. Um, and yes, Adibayo is an absolute beast, but uh, no need to talk about that. It's more of the fact that they have quite a lot of variety down the right hand side because Ross Barkley is starting to come onto his own. And well, this is partially down to Newcastle's flaws as well, where, uh, yeah, Dan Burn can be beaten. Ogbene just went past him like no nobody's there. Um, same thing with Trippier. Trippier can still be attacked. And Doty, Doty went past Trippier easily, virtually untracked, you know? So, yeah, Newcastle's flank weakness is still there, and somebody like Doty and Ogbene can both take advantage.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned that that right side with the uh, Barkley and, and and Nogben. It has it has changed them. Um, hold on, okay, um, cool. I think we can move on to the next one. Um, this one was a. I have to admit, this was this was a surprise for me. Aston Villa five, Sheffield United nothing. I didn't expect that kind of abject performance from Sheffield United at home. Um, Villa two point one nine xg five goals. Um, Sheffield United 1.48 xg, zero goals. I kind of expected that. I, I expected the xg to be the result in, in this game, uh, the, more like a 2 1 kind of deal and the other rather than a 5 0. Um, what can you tell us about this one?
1: To be fair, Sheffield United did have a goal disallowed in injury time of the second half. Uh but yes, uh I I am just more impressed that you could predict Sheffield United playing a back three in the first place. Sheffield United under Wilder had been playing a back four the entire time. Mm-hmm. They put Trusty as a makeshift left back, they put Bogle on the right, and this time round they brought Trusty in, playing the outside centre back again. And they brought in Norrington Davis as their left wing back, and they kept Bogle on the right. That was a bad idea. Ah, uh, <laughs> Martin Davis. Yeah, was so subpar. Like, you know, it's okay for wing backs to be more advanced than their three out their, than their three centre backs. Um, it's more of when you have. Okay, so this is where you compare Sheffield United's back three against Luton's more established back three, right? Because arguably they have the same strength. Luton's back three are so assertive. That even though once in a while they get beaten for pace, for majority of the game, they can snuff out number nines. They just go aggressive and they don't even let number nines receive the ball. They are like literally foot behind the attacker's foot. Um whereas for Sheffield United, you watch all the goals that Villa scored against them. Ahmed Hoscich is like two yards behind the other two center backs playing Ollie Watkins on side. He has No clue. He's like literally confused when the ball is all the way at Villa's centre-backs, right? Not sure whether to face the ball, to intercept it with hitters, or whether to turn around and mark Watkins to be in a deeper position. It's, yeah, so I think it was um, McGinn's goal, right? Where um, Konza played this extremely beautiful long ball, but it was you know, within interception range of Ahmed Hodzic. He's turning away from the ball while looking at the ball and it just flies past him even though it's literally next to him. Yeah, uh, Sheffield United are in transition and they're going to be very, very bad <laughs> while they are in transition. It's not a case of trying to yeah, fit Brooks into the side anymore. They've just got to f- figure out whether they want to go back to their four-five-one and basically not score goals or do they want to try and actually work out a back five system?
0: I mean, I, I think, I think Wilder had the right idea in switching to a back five against, against Villa. It, it had worked at Villa park. Right. Um, and, and I know he, he had been in a back four. Um, and, and I, I wasn't sure of that back five either, but it made sense. And, and it didn't work. Uh, like, like you said now, um, Ezri concept went down with an injury. So, um, Definitely stay stay tuned to the to the, for the matchup show. Um, I believe it is at a new time. It'll be on Thursday rather than Wednesday. Um, that was uh, I had to change that schedule. But but Craig will be on and he's going to talk to us a little bit about how we may see Villa uh, resorting to a back five now, um, with with that with that Kanza injury. So and and we'll see how that how that changes them. So um, so that Give yeah that, that'll be the an interesting.
1: on the for one more week.
0: For sure, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's gonna play. Um, so let's see. Next, next one we got here is uh, <laughs> Bournemouth uh, one, Forest one. Um, yeah. Solan- they're still, they're still looking for Solanke. He's on, he's on a milk carton somewhere, um, missing somewhere. Um, I, I believe there's a reward for anybody who finds him. Um, XG on this one, one point two seven for Bournemouth, zero point five three for for Forest. Um, let's get through this one uh, j- rather quickly.
1: You know, I talked about uh, what happened when Crystal Palace rotated their side earlier. A 1-1 is what you get when both sides rotate their best players out. Oh man, uh, when Tavernier doesn't start for Bournemouth, and when uh, Montiel doesn't start for Forest, everything goes... Yeah. Um... <laughs> Majority of both sides' best chances were from set pieces, so it was just a battle of set pieces. And I mean, I tried to look for things uh as much as possible from open play. I think uh so what I will do is I'll talk about the issues that both teams have instead of their strengths because there were there weren't a lot of good points. Um, first things first, with Bournemouth, they have you know rotation issues where. Uh, They started with Clivert and Semenyo. Semenyo just coming back from AFCON. And then they subbed both off to bring on Sinistera. If I'm not mistaken, Sinistera and um, Tavernier. That's the one. So they have a lot of competition fighting for those front few slots. And thankfully, billing got sent off. So at least, you know, uh, by default, we should assume that Christie and... Scott would be first choice in central midfield. Yeah, Bournemouth have way too much competition right now, and and Irolas probably struggling to figure out what is his first eleven. Um, now as for Forest, without the Christine legendary and Cook
0: Christian or Scott.
1: Well, I prefer Christian Scott. Cook started this game, uh, but I do feel that Bournemouth have had the better results when Christian Scott both started. Okay. So yeah really depends cuz Cooks like the stalwart you know but um yeah they they should transition out of him to have Scott be in the team more often with Christy alongside him Okay Yeah so Forest uh oh Forest okay so Norman here uh Dominguez started and this is a bit disappointing from Nuno's perspective at least, because there was a hint of transitioning to rely on somebody like Danilo, who's much more assertive and has much more flair with the ball. But yeah, they just referred to the type. Um, Morgan Gibbs-White in the center, Lange on the right, Kellum Hudson-Odoi on the left, and they barely created anything in open play. Really. Uh, They rely on Bournemouth mistakes more than anything. So, I would say the big lesson from this especially since they play Nuno Tavares at left-back, is that they have so little attacking potential without the legendary Chris Wood that they are a very good team to target, especially away from home, for clean sheets. Yeah, hmm. genuinely mean that. So
0: so you think the, the return of Taiwo hurts them?
1: At the moment, yes. Because they have no supply. It,
0: yeah. it, they have Chris Wood supply. Like like Tywo and I, I I think I think it's uh I, I think you have to play different with 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 differently with with Tywo um and I don't Ty tai, Tywo hasn't played with uh with Nuno yet has he I think this is well, the, the their first their first time their first game together so interesting to see how that adapts let's move on to to a game I'm sure you're eager to discuss Chelsea two Wolves four um Chelsea one point seven four xg Wolves too flat and and i haven't heard many people say that it wasn't it wasn't deserved for wolves so
1: well i think it's more of okay so there there was a period sometime uh towards the middle of last season where i think there was an international break and the wolves were on a really bad run so they had you know chelsea, brentford and liverpool in a row up next And I was telling people as a Wolves fan, if I could get one point out of those three games, I'd be really happy. And we beat all three teams.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, we beat Chelsea 2-1, we uh, beat Liverpool 3-0, and we also beat Brentford away. So, I think we have a knack of coming across these sort of teams when they are in their worst moments. Because Chelsea right now, not in a good spot despite having their first 11 comeback. I think the result flatters Wolves quite a bit because, you know, there was a Kunia penalty and there were two deflected shots. So, on another day, I would argue that we wouldn't have scored four goals. At least, Konya wouldn't have had a hat-trick. Um, but Neto is real. Well, Pedro Neto's threat is real. And we have the great credit for him, you know, literally covering the entire final third of the pitch, uh, just trying to dribble past people. I'm not going to say that there isn't rhyme or reason, uh, but I will say that Wolves right now uh, are definitely appreciating the fact that Ryan Inuri is back from AFCON. That I can say. Because, wow, like, we've not had a presence so strong on the left ever since Huang. And you know, while Huang is still out there uh, fighting for Korea, um, yeah, every it's it's the same thing, right? Uh, wolves break down the right side through Pedro Neto and whoever, and then you have Cunha waiting near the penalty spot and Ren Inuri crashing the box from the left side. So, differential Inuri, yes, uh, but you know, stable template pick Pedro Neto, yes.
0: It it seems to me that the, the, the template pick will be Cunha. I mean, I know he's a forward, so, um, but but Cunha is obviously obviously with with that um with with the hat trick there he, he'll be popular. Um, I I do agree. Like Net, Neto has more roots to points again as creator as finisher and, and and all of that. Um, and but what what can you tell us? Like what's so so you said Chelsea are they they're getting all their players healthy? But what um so why. Why aren't they, why are they in a crisis, I guess? I don't know that this is the worst they, they've been, so... But why are they so bad?
1: Well, first and foremost, they've not figured out their central midfield, right? They've got like six players fighting for two central midfield slots, and they've decided to fill Enzo, Caicedo, and Gallagher, <laughs> but with Gallagher as the number 10. So, you know, you've got that big, bustling, uh, messy pasta-tangling of legs up front, uh, full of energy, With Cole Palmer on the right, Sterling on the left, and Nkunku up front, all, like, sort of trying to get out of the way, but not really. So, honestly, when Cole Palmer scored the first goal for Chelsea, like, that incision from Caicedo to play the through pass all the way from midfield, I mean, we have to appreciate the space that Gallagher creates, you know? But, Hmm. to expect... (laughs) a defensive midfielder like Casado to find Cole Palmer running behind defenses on the right is not something people will expect to see so arguably Cole Palmer is is in his second best position and Pochettino moved him into the number nine you know to preserve Nkunku's fitness later on they brought off Sterling they brought off Gallagher I think they brought off they brought on Chuku Mueka as well as Mudrik and yeah, that was when they absolutely went to uh yeah to, to shit. Um <laughs> I, I I can't yeah, I think but you know there's a bright spark, Chilwell's runs down the left are definitely there. And they did trouble wolves a little bit. Mm, just waiting for the right delivery and the right finisher, because that is arguably the best type of Chelsea we want to see. We we as FPL managers want to see. We want a creator centrally, Palmer, feeding Chilwell on the left, finding a finisher in the middle, whether it be Jackson coming back from Afcon or Nkunku or even Palmer himself. Yeah. I think that's that's okay. like the Chelsea we want to see.
0: Fair enough. Um let's move on to another. Um I guess it's not surprising. Like, like when, when two teams are just totally random and do and do nothing um in, in open play not then nothing can be surprising manchester united three west ham zero um manchester united three goals on 0. 0.75 xg and west ham west ham zero goals on 1.4 xg um i i gotta i have to admit I, I didn't watch this game i will go back and uh and watch highlights i'm not going to go back and watch the game but i'll go back and watch highlights because uh um there's a point of contention, I guess. People weren't happy with uh, with, with us calling Manchester United constipated um, and then them scoring three goals. But um, how'd they do it? Did they take a laxative?
1: A picture paints a thousand words. And really, the hmm. picture you have to look for is exactly the moment when I think Ganacho scored his second goal. Um, and basically, he brought... Uh, he brought Hoyland with him. He brought Menu with him. And the three of them sat on the bench with, you know, the, the Old Trafford crowd roaring behind them. And he just sat there, mm-hmm. three of them, just smiling, absolutely wholesome. And that, that was it. That is it. Like, just them with the fans behind them, emotionally charged. And the three of them just smiling, completely serene. Ah, uh, that is, that is really you know a good look for man united i am finally glad to say because uh they had my new partner uh casimiro in midfield whoa haven't said that name in a while um and mm-hmm. they've uh yeah so as a result ganacho mainly play on the right Rashford on the left so everything you mentioned you know it's it's there Rashford is on the left bruno is the 10 um and you know bruno is now stepping on Rashford's toes, so they're kind of like overlapping a little bit. But yes, the biggest mm. beneficiary really has been uh Ganacho. Mm. I would say though, uh, in terms of things that are improving for Man United, Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw is definitely making much better runs down the left-hand side. They did it against Wolves quite well. Uh, you know, we didn't get to talk that talk about that last week. And yeah, it surfaced against against West Ham United. Um I think it also helps that Garnacho, not you know being a right-winger by default, has the freedom to drift over to the left side. And you know in case Rashford and Bruno are fighting for space, Garnacho is the one that picks up the pieces. Uh, if you ask me to choose a 7 million attacker that has form, I would prefer Hoyland over Richarlison, personally. I just look at the way both strikers score their goals, Richarlison needs a supply line. Hoyland makes it all himself. If I were to pick a striker that is based on form, that's easy to sell when he loses form, it would be Hoyland. Because the last thing I want is to keep Richarlison, and Richarlison would have an endless supply of beautiful through balls and crosses played for him, and he just misses them all. Then I'd be like, you know, oh, this is Darwin 2.0. <laughs> do I keep or do I sell? Yeah, don't I hate it's that just... dilemma. But I, yeah.
0: It's, it's hard to measure them on the, on the same stake one's a midfielder of course and and one's a forward but um but i I, I, I take the other I take the other view I, I I prefer the I prefer the forward who needs supply and has James Madison behind him than to to the forward who needs to create things on a home uh, on his own and has I mean all good vibes aside st- still a dysfunctional team behind him. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think, I think that that's basically what the, what the stats are saying. I, I do think I agree with you. Luke Shaw changes this team. The, the whole team will transform with, with, um, as Luke Shaw gains form. Um, I, it, it, it baffles me that, that, that left side isn't firing yet. I, I really thought they w- it, it would in this game, especially against a, a poor, uh, Vladimir Sofal. Um, but Garnacho, like if you're, if, when garnacho scores when you're riding the back of garnacho you're riding chaos this is not design (laughs) this is this is this is a kid like and on 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 pure vibes like you said and you know you can't help but like join him in that and and that's a lot of fun but in terms of um patterns if we're looking for patterns to take into the next one what the the pattern you're going to predict is i predict more chaos from garnacho like that's that's not something that i would hitch my wagon to
1: i guess garnacho is basically the attacking version of martin Brantweight, who continues to get returns sitting on people's third <laughs> slots of benches and people go like oh yeah i have you know Brentway on the bench third you know that slot Listen, I, I never twisting expected the pummel, but I'm 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 proud that i have you know points on the bench i never got same thing if if like, you know, there are, have been certain content creators that have benched Phil Foden's 20 points, right? And oh. I, I just go like, you know? um. But if people told me, oh, they bench Ganacho, I'll be like, okay, I guess, I understand. And it's great, you know? I'm pretty sure on another day, you you know, think about the 50-50 of, you know, fielding him. And yeah, it's okay. You know, your, <laughs> your conscience is clear if you bench Ganacho's 17. It's okay.
0: Everything's okay. Um we'll move on to the next one and uh, you know the one Nima's been waiting for. He's still in the chat waiting for us to get to this one. Arsenal 3, Liverpool 1. Um Arsenal with 3.5 xG, Liverpool with 0. 0.37. I think that's this the highest xG against Liverpool in in a long time. I don't know how many years, but but a long time so they say um Yeah, the I want. I to let you. I'm. I'm just going to let you dive right into this one. I'll be interested to hear what you have to say, including Allison.
1: Mm, okay. So first, first things first. I'd like to debunk that XG myth because uh, we have to understand, everybody, ladies and gentlemen. XG may have the same name, but XG is collected by different websites and different companies, and therefore different models. The XG that Gabe just quoted came from Fort Mob who create their own model. However, mm. it's only the Surf. highest ah, sorry for oh, OJ oh, Okay, score. because uh Fort Mob gave the similar thing. Um but immediately right there were plenty of Arsenal fans that went, you know, that can't be right. Like three is absolutely low. And there were times I think immediately people recalled uh the 7-2 that Liverpool suffered against Aston Villa. So Mm -hmm. that is something that, you know, people instantly recall to, And if you look it up, um, the the XG conceded by Liverpool against Aston Villa was 3.72 on one website and 3.08 on understat. Fort Mob had Mm -hmm. not existed at that time when XG was created. So it's you know we, we just have to be aware that xg is xg but when we are talking about the numbers quoting from xg you have to look you have to make sure that the source that you quote xg from is consistent when you make comparisons otherwise you will run into trouble there are so many factors that go into xg that yeah we we can flip the argument literally right depending on which side we take from okay now uh, as for the match itself I'd like to open with a question. If you have a game between two titles challenging sites, theoretically, would you bank on their plan A strategy or do you think it all goes out the window and they use something special?
0: I, that, that depends on the manager. Um, right? To quit, real, really, re, yeah, it depends on the manager. Really quickly to underscore your point, um, I think I said 3.5 XG or something like that from SofaScore. Yes, score. All right, 3.5. Un, un, Understat under has it at 2.85. The <laughs> <a> massive difference, <laughs> yeah. um, but but yeah, it, I think it depends on the manager. I mean, if it if um, but if like obviously these managers involved, Arteta Arteta is gonna gonna do his plan A, unless he faces City, I I, I would say then then he might change it, um, and and Klopp Klopp is gonna do what Klopp does.
1: I kind of wish that Nima were alive now because Nima would probably get this. Uh, there have been multiple sources of these floating around on X, especially uh, where Liverpool actually paid homage to Arsenal when they beat Arsenal three one in the FA Cup or something like that. Uh, and they said that Arsenal came out and played a four two two two, and we you know nearly couldn't cope. We won, but they, but but Klopp thought he barely deserved it, and so. This time round, this last weekend, Ateta whipped out the 4-2-2-2 again and completely overran Liverpool's midfield three. Because if you think about it, right, we know Liverpool's style and formation and identity. If you play Curtis Jones, Kapo, oh, sorry, not well, Curtis Jones, uh, Gravenberg, yes, and McAllister, right, and you look ahead and you see Declan Rice and Jorginho, what's your instinct as a Liverpool player? Right? (laughs) So, in this particular matchup, Liverpool's two central midfielders were sucked up to Arsenal's two defensive midfielders, and that left McAllister 2v1 outnumbered against Kai Havertz and Odegaard, dual 10s. This was why Odegaard had so much space in the first half, because (laughs) McAllister literally had no idea whether to mark uh, Kai Havertz or uh, Odegaard. And it was just fitting that, The first goal itself from Arsenal was uh, McAllister trying to mark Kai Havertz, and then he saw that Odegaard had so much space, he moved up to Odegaard, the ball immediately played behind him, Kai Havertz was 1v1 against, uh, yeah, Edison. So, it's really fitting, it's really, really fitting that um, Ateta fielded a special formation, this 4-2-2-2, that we rarely see not dependent on their right at all. And, you know, it was fortunate enough that Saka was there to pick up the pieces. But I think you know we have to give Ateta some credit for having this in his back pocket uh, as his ace in the hole, and Liverpool had nearly like Liverpool could mitigate the damage, but they never really had a solution to come back, you know, with a win. So, you know, uh, but everything you mentioned here did come to fruition in some sense. It just happened after the damage was done for Arsenal, mm. because really, Georginio. Played a marvelous game. I'm sure even Nima would agree to that. Um, yeah, Jorginho from deep midfield just found Havertz yeah. or um, Odegaard time and time again in the first half. Yeah, and so that's how it goes.
0: Um, yeah, and that's. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. And um, I also like his the disguise. So he disguised it as a four-three-three. He disguised it as a plan A. Oh, Havertz is playing the nine. It's like no, Roberts is not playing the nine, um, and and he like he and true to form he didn't get in the in in the box that much right like um and it was it was all it was all in the center mid area he did drift to the left out his far far post fade that that he loves to do he did he did do that from but from that center center midfield spot so yeah I thought um Arteta own, owned Klopp in the in the in the tactical battle and 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 you're right they 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 couldn't they couldn't adjust and it wasn't like a I, you know, there, there's a narrative that it was that it was a personnel problem that it was like uh missing Salah and and, and Darwin injured, and I, I don't think that's what it was. I, I think it was more schematic than than personnel based. Um, 56 minutes, getting to the last one here. Um, Brentford one, Manchester City three. Manchester City with an XG of around two, Brentford and XG around one. Um, Brentford get the first goal here and then Manchester City proceed to kind of like just uh, own the game after that. So uh, what can you tell us here?
1: Well, in typical prediction fashion, obviously we already knew that Brentford would whip out the 3-5-2. The question was how the 3-5-2 would attack Man City, right? Um, You mentioned that the wingbacks would attempt to look for the forwards, but really the wingbacks barely did any attacking. (laughs) Um, With Hmm. Brentford, especially, uh, like... You know, if you did not watch a single minute of that game, you would expect men, uh, Brentford to line up, you know, like clog up the midfield, put everyone in center, and be extremely compact, concede the white spaces and whatnot, and just, just like tell Man City, come at me, bro. You know, I'm I'm ready for your crosses. Um, that was not at all the sort that Brentford defended. In fact, the three central midfielders they had in front of their back five, uh, Yanel mm-hmm. Nogat and. I forgot the third guy. It might have been Baptiste. Um, the three of them pushed out. They pushed yes. out because they knew Kevin De Bruyne would drift. They knew um, Phil Foden would drift from drift in from their wide positions. And they really made it a point to mark Gavadio or Walker whenever they drifted up front. Um, that was why Brentford conceded a lot of possession between the lines. and That was why Flacken had so many because Man City <laughs> took so many shots from just outside Brentford's back five. And honestly, I actually think that Brentford intentionally get out of the way. If they block Man City shots, it will lead to more corners and it would you know lead to deflected shots that would not be good for Flecken. But they intentionally close a certain angle so that Flecken can scramble across and make the camera saves. And it's nice because if you look at the first half itself, Literally, all of his saves are in the same corner. It's quite nice. It's, it's, I don't know how deliberate this is because this is just pure speculation for me, but I, that's what I've noticed. You know, um, yeah, the type of shots they conceded. Now, uh, in terms of how City actually won the game. Well, first and foremost, uh, yes, KDB, Foden, they eventually dominated that central area heavily enough. Such that you know, and and the creator for Foden, I think full credit right, uh, goes to Foden for being a co Palmer, <laughs> you know, turning into the number nine, into the second forward where needed, but still, it required some really pinpoint crosses for Foden to really take advantage. Um, honestly, I wish uh, Kevin De Bruyne deserved that first assist for uh, he deserved the assist for the first goal because yeah. Yeah, it was... Yeah, yeah but whatever that's my opinion um and i thought really- i thought
0: he had it i thought he was on a, a on a brace of assist by that second one i was like oh nice and then uh, somebody texted me i was like no it, that wasn't an assist and I, I understand why it's not but um but i was yeah.
1: hoping this is like that's my captain, damn it. Um, so yes, uh, City city are back and they have multiple players occupying the spaces between the lines and it's just a matter of whether they do it through crosses or through through passes. Um, so, I think we just have to say though that Haaland is not exactly like match fit, running behind defences match fit. Yeah, um, so... Um, and yes, put Guardiola and Walker under watch list. They will be fantastic moving forward.
0: Okay, um, I'm going to jump in here. What one on Kevin De Bruyne? I think it, one thing, I don't know whether it's for me, it's a little bit concerning, but it could end up being okay um, about De Bruyne is he's not getting many touches centrally. It's all he's ping ponging from one side to another and like doing just doing li- like little creative moves with Guardiola or, or or Foden or or, or Bernardo Silva or whoever is close to him. And then moving and then do orchestrating like that on that on that other side, and then maybe he'll get a cross in or something like that. But he's not in and around that central area of the box for him for for him to take crosses himself. And I think I think that's quite concerning for such an expensive FPL asset. Um, on on Holland, I I, I completely I, I completely agree. He's still he's not he's not the he's not the focal point um, yet, and he's not getting behind defenders. And it could be a function of of the that the back three and all of that um so that that one's a wait and see and and i i just think honestly this one just kind of fell for foden like i i, I think foden owners are i mean he's he's a great pick i'm not going to argue that but but this hat trick wasn't like um wow look at foden dominating he scored a hat trick um it was like oh foden kind of fell into a hat trick um that that's that's the way it felt for me um watching it and like every he had few entries into the box, but the ones that he had were like were killer. He'd, he'd end up with a goal. Um, at, at, but at most of his work was kind of like wide on that on that left hand side and a little bit deeper outside the box. So, um, not congratulations on that hat trick. And, and then the last thing: at twelve saves for for Fleck and one point three um expected goals prevented. Um, so maybe he's shown something. Although a lot of that, would, like you said, was from um, shot from further out
1: mm, i what's this um i think you might want to filter the touches out uh like to include when doku was on the pitch i do believe that when doku was on the pitch kdb became a lot more central although he was a lot more fatigued <laughs> mm. to, to, to uh, you know argue the other way um yeah because because you know city didn't start with the winger this, like, you should have been on Twitter before the lineups came out, like, all the leak content creators were like, whoa, Pep's on all our attack mode, you know? They have zero wingers, mm. they've, they they decided to feel Holland, Alvarez, Foden, Bernardo Silva, <laughs> all, all the big boys are starting, and everyone was yeah. like, whoa, you know, all our attack. Um, yeah, so I think Pep intentionally wanted to uh, dominate the central spaces but in a flexible way and have no wingers mm-hmm. i think we'll see a different formation this coming week one of Doku or grealish will definitely start just a matter of where
0: yeah and it'll be interesting we'll we'll, we'll check on alex um at forelex underscore mcfc to see see what he thinks I, I do kind of have a feeling it'll be it'll be grealish um but if uh <laughs> If Ashley William uh, Ashley Williams, if Ashley Young is is gonna start for uh, for Everton again, then I mean Doku should eat him up, right? I like, got uh, you play you play Doku and then you go and you go for goal. So we'll see. Maybe we can get some info um, on that before the before the match up show on Thursday with Craig. Oh, uh, Brentford. Um, Almost yeah.
1: forgot. Yes. Brentford. <laughs> okay, so I've got something that I'm pretty sure stats won't pick up. Uh you know how you mentioned that uh, Vicario was not protected by his defenders on corners? Man City had a yeah. slew of corners that put Flecken under pressure because Ruben Diaz literally stood next to Flecken the entire time. Guess who protected Flecken?
0: Hmm.
1: Take a guess. Ben Who protected Flecken on corners? Ben me. Neil Maupai. The little guy. Oh,
0: of course, that's right, of course. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that. Standing yeah. in between Ruben deal. Diaz and and He's that's just true. there like,
1: you know, get away, that's get true. away, get away, get away. And he <laughs> got in Ruben Diaz's face so much that the referee had to pull them apart.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know? And, and Mopai was getting
1: angry at the referee. And and then, and then, and then, and then around the 20-something minute, right? Right before the first goal was scored, Ivan Tony goes up to Neil Mopai and like, whispers something in his ear and like reassures him something I knew for sure that something was going to happen after that and Koki, the fact that Tony doesn't even get involved and he just like leans into Ake just to make sure the entire space is vacated yeah. for Mopai to run into that is like mm, it's so deliberate 100%. and it's so real
0: 100% no and talk about desert this well that's why that's what I was going to say talk about deserving an assist even more than uh, De Bruyne's. Um, I, I think uh, Tony deserves an assist for, for that Brentford goal. I totally agree. And oh, the, the one thing that, that I will say, um, I think uh, Sergio Reguilon, Reguilon is, 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 is a thing. He's he's like he's everywhere. He's involved in, in their attack. I don't know. So, so I think that we disagree a little bit on, on that and that um, I, I think Reguilon is, is one of the key components of this Brentford attack and, and will be a, a bit of a gem going forward, especially in this back five system like that quite a bit. Um all right, I think that's it. Anything to add from you my friend?
1: Uh Stay safe. Uh, happy Chinese New Year to those who celebrate. Yes, Happy Lunar New Year to yes. those who celebrate.
0: Happy Lunar, Lunar New Lunar Year Lunar. whether you celebrate or not. Happy Lunar New Year. Um you're getting some props and some love on the show from K7. Lucien is so good. Yes, he is. That's how we get the the depth we do on this show. So thank you very much. Thanks everyone for joining us. Thank you to our new, we have a new member, BW Splitter. Thank you very as as you as well. Good chatting there. Nima driving the chat. This is a lot of fun. Um, We will be back on Thursday. Um, Until then, I don't know. Be well, be kind, and peace. (music)